the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Since we uh, mentioned smart <laughs> like six times in the last minute and a half, we, we probably should go and get a quote from somebody who's pretty smart. That's Albert Einstein. Uh, he once said, I can is a hundred times more important than IQ. And he also said, imagination is much more important than knowledge. And if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And then finally, try not become a man of a success, but rather become a man of value. Ain't that the truth? All right. Well, uh, like, uh, like we always talk about on this show, if you want to get any of the information we talk about, you know, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, any of the reports that we have out there, just go to WHK1420. The local podcast goes down to Smart Investor Show, and then you can go directly to my webpage from there. And uh, it has all sorts of contact me, email me. And, you know, while you're there, uh, hit the Insight uh, banner. And there's uh, we have two new pieces this uh, – no, one new piece this week. Uh, but they name names there. They talk about all sorts of good financial information. And also under Bulletin Board, there's a newsletter that comes out every week. talks about, you know, if you've missed something in the market, you'll, you'll be able to read it there. And also Rob Schleimer's Roadmap. Rob is one of the best technicians on the planet, and uh, you can read uh, firsthand what he's saying. All right. Now, I was listening to Lori Calvacina this week, smart lady. Uh, she's our head strategist, and she talked about 10 things that she sees going into uh, next year. All right. Uh, first of all, she's very constructive on the year ahead. Uh, she has a price target of about 5000 That's about a you know, a 10% move from here, a 9.5% move. And the sentiment is set up for, is constructive for now. Now, one of the things we did notice is that, uh, you know, we had a big move in the market and everybody suddenly turned bullish. But the four-week moving average is still fairly bearish, right? And that's what that's what people look at is the four-week moving average. So, uh the other thing she's talked about was valuations can stay high or can stay higher, let's put it that way, than many investors think, all right? And, you know, <laughs> that's the one thing about bull markets. It's like a bear market, okay? In a bear market, things can go lower than you anticipate, all right? And, uh, you know, if you're being rational, rationality doesn't work in a bear market, and sometimes it doesn't work on the other direction in a bull market, all right? So there we go. Now, remember, you know, we're looking at a situation here where in five weeks, we've gone up 11%. And we were talking about this five weeks ago. We talked about, you know, Rob Schleimer's uh, quadrant balance indicator being as oversold as it's been. Well, it ain't oversold anymore, right? So... Uh, you know, just think about that. So, uh, so valuations can stay higher than you think they can. All right. Now, 
Lori said this, and I thought this was an interesting comment. Her earnings outlook is good enough to justify another year of gains, but it also restrains her enthusiasm for 2024 performance. And you know what? I think that's good. Because if people start getting too bullish about next year, you know, remember Rob Slimer, and we've talked about this on this show for for years now, has been talking about the four-year cycle, okay? The four-year cycle is such that, uh, you know, you you begin that four-year cycle with a pretty good move. Now, remember I said a couple months ago, they're not going to ring a bell at the bottom, all right? They don't. Not the way it works. The bottom was All Souls Day. We said on this show, go away in May and come back on All Souls Day probably 50 times in the last year. So the point is, is that I think the bell was rung. (laughs) All right. And so we want people to have a subdued, including Lori, we want them to have a subdued thought process going into the year. We don't want anybody being crazily bullish. Right. Now, the greater appeal of bonds seems like a damper on U.S. equity returns, but it's not necessarily a derailer of them, all right? We've had the 60-40 thing going all the way up until 2000, and then, you know, for years, you know, the, the market was in great shape. I mean, I bought a lot of zero coupons back in 2001 and 2000, and they did great, all right? However, when you get to zero <laughs> on the 30-year bond or the 10-year bond, there's not much chance to making money on the bond. You're, you know, you're hoping that you get your principal back. So, look, I think also, if you think about it, there's a lot of people who put money in money markets thinking 5% is great, all right? They should be in the stock market. It's up 11% in a month. Now, the other thing is, I don't even think small caps have kicked in. And that's another thing. We have a new, we have a small cap list out there that I think is, is very, very timely, extremely timely. And, you know, the point is, is that all that money that's in money markets right now and all that money that's in, you know, six-month CDs and year CDs is kindling for the fire. You know, if we go up another month like this, all right, we, we might not. You know, I, I think there's, you know, I looked at the QQQ, it's kind of overbought. Uh, and I looked at the, the S&P, it's kind of overbought. So we'll see what happens. But, you get a, a couple months, you string them together like this, all that money's going to come. Well, not all of it. Some of it's going to stay there, but some of it's going to come back in the market. All right. Uh, and then, look, the other thing you got to look at next year is that a presidential election year. So it's a, a source of uncertainty. Okay. But I can tell you, if you think they're going to pull back on any kind of spending, uh, wrong, wrong idea. Okay, so, uh, you know, presidential election years often follow a pretty similar pattern. There's a weak start, they rally into the fall, and then choppiness as the election draws near. So just keep that in mind. The sluggishness of the U.S. economy that many investors expect into 2024 and 2025 is probably the biggest headwind for the stock market performance that I see anyway. And then the new rules of thumb for the post-COVID era are starting to emerge. And, uh, you know, yeah. One thing that continues to come up is how 2022 and 2023 have resembled two other post-crisis periods in history. All right. So, you know, if you look at 2010, 2011, same thing, 2002, 2003, kind of a similar situation. So, and then 
you know, Lori Calvacino was a small cap strategist, and she says small caps are intriguing in the year ahead. Their, their valuation is cheap, okay? Very, very, very cheap. So I'll just mention this to you. We have a small cap list, you know, our best ideas. And some of these names are starting to take off, all right? Uh, and I'll just leave it at that, all right? So there we go. Uh, now, looking back and looking ahead, as we approach the end of the year, we reflect on some key macro developments that kind of define the year. And we look forward with some guarded optimism now, okay? So despite the gloomy protect, uh, projections heading into 2023, we had a, you know, high, interest rates went higher. I mean, the 10-year the made the biggest move in interest rate, uh, I, I mean, yield on a percentage basis in history, well, in modern history anyway. And, and then we had firmer than expect, anticipated economic growth, which helped corporate profits, all right? So inflation receded considerably from a very worrisome level at 9.4% to a very bearable level at about 2.8. All right. So a lot of things are, are very interesting at this point. Look, there's some reasons to be prudent. Okay. Uh, you know, you have the global economy, which is not in great shape. Uh, there's a significant so a source of uh, uncertainty stems from the progressive impact of rate hikes. And some, some countries are not pulling back uh, as price, uh, price pressures have subdued, or subsided, I should say, uh, to platable levels. It looks like many have reached a plateau in interest rates, but not everybody, okay? So I guess the investment takeaway is, you know, the macro environment was very uncertain this year. You, you know, you, you had uh, Silicon Valley, Bank Corp. After, you know, 2022, we had the Ukraine situation. Then we had uh, the Israeli Hamas situation. So, and interest rates, you know, blew to the upside. So, you know, I think you have to think about what's going forward. Now, look, you know, the Magnificent Seven were where to be uh, in uh, this this year. And I also think that if you, you look, that's what Tom Lee over at Fundstrat was saying. You know, he said, you want to be in in the FANG stocks, okay? And he was right. Give him credit. And I also think that uh, the small caps probably would have been doing better at this point, but a major source of funding in Silicon Valley Bank Corp went away. Uh, so people were less, and I think this went across all the regional banks, people were less uh, enthusiastic about lending to smaller companies at that point. Now, I did notice, you know, I was looking at money flows this week, and one of the areas that had a huge money uh, money flow was in the um, uh, the real estate market. And uh, Lori also talked about materials and industrials. So these have been lagging for three months now. And, and same with consumer discretionary. There's quite a bit there, too. So, uh, And I imagine, you know, uh, utilities picked up a little bit. So we'll see what happens going forward. But that's, you know, that's money flowing into areas where money had been being extracted from. Okay, people are taking money out of real estate and putting it into the money market. And look, the money market's great for now. I, I you know, five percent is five percent. However, you know, money markets aren't guaranteed anymore. Remember that. You know, the Fed killed that um, in two thousand eight and nine when the financial crisis because a few, like seventeen money markets, broke the buck. All right, so 
it's not a treasury bill. It's not a CD. Just remember that. And I think you got to keep that in the back of your mind. So look, we're at the home stretch. Um, and, and, you know, if you weren't in information technology and communication services, you know, one stock there and consumer discretionary, you didn't make any money this year. Okay. The NASDAQ composite is up 31.8% of which seven stocks are responsible. Well, actually, if you, you needed 11 stocks, we're responsible for 160% of the gain. The S&P 500 was up 15% so far. And seven stocks were responsible for 110% of the gain. So, so, you know, it's it's tough. There's only three sectors. So if you weren't in those three sectors, you were you were in trouble. And the problem with that is, you know, any money manager or any uh, financial advisor out there has a fiduciary responsibility. So they can't cram you 100% into into technology. Okay, they can't do it. It's it's uh, <laughs> you know. The, the SEC would clamp down on them. So, look, I want to emphasize this, and I've talked about this week in, week out now for seven months. Dividend stocks and dividend arrest crafts are very timely on a valuation-oriented basis. Dividends are 40% of the return of the S P 500 over the modern history. From That will go back to 19, uh, 1950. Go back that far. So the fact that they've underperformed is because the long-term bond yields went up very quickly. All right. So we'll see, we'll see that. But I see it as several areas that are very undervalued. Number one, small caps. Uh, you know, Lori talked about a full standard deviation below. below. And by the way, micro caps are really cheap. Uh, healthcare. Healthcare, uh, I believe, is a, like a half a standard deviation below where they were in Hillary Care. And then also the dividend stocks. And there's some quality names right there. All right. I mean, there's some names in the healthcare area that are really high quality. They're cheap. And uh, so we'll see what happens. But if you look, the dividend stocks underperformance in, in 2023 has been acute. It's the first time you've seen them underperform uh, in, in that type of thing, you know, uh, scenario. So uh, with zero yield, you were up about nine and a half percent. With a 3% yield, you were down 13 14%. It's very, very unusual. So the Magnificent 7 has delivered an average return approaching 100% this, thus far this year, meaning these seven stocks have accounted for more than three-fourths of S&P 500's return. If you look at 15 stocks, it's 110% of return. The S&P 500 would be only up 4% this year, and the equal-rated uh, index is actually lower on the year. So that's that's the S&P 500 where each stock gets one vote. So the average stock is down. Okay? And that's the problem here. The five largest publicly traded US equities constitute more than one fourth of the S&P 500. And that's a level that hasn't been seen in 37 years. And by the way, that was the Nifty 50. And uh, they blew up for a pretty long time. So keep that in the back of your head, all right? The five largest stocks in every, any given year represent 13% of the S&P 500. Today's concentration is nearly double that. Let me say that again. Today's concentration is nearly double that, all right? So the dividend factor has been dramatically out of favor in 2023. And something tells me 
that ain't going to last much longer. <laughs> All right. So just keep that in the back of your head. Uh, you know, there, there's po- pocket, uh, pockets of the market that are very cheap and look attractive. And uh, the, the dividend aristocrat index is trading in near record, record low valuations. And I think, you know, it's one and a half standard deviations below average. All right. Healthcare is at a standard deviation below Hillary care. Small caps. You know, there comes a time where these have to participate because if you, you only have certain members of the market going up, you know, I've said this on the show uh, a thousand times probably. You don't want to go to war with just the generals, the kings, and the knights. You need the foot soldiers. You need the archers. You need the supply chains. If they're back at the barracks smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee, you got a problem on your hands. So what I have seen in the last month is it's spreading out, folks. That could be very, very bullish going forward. I mean, very, very bullish going forward. And the dividend aristocrats, you know, we've seen them underperform several times in 2000. Then they went crazy. And uh, they, they underperformed in 2007 and eight. Then they went crazy. So keep keep that in the back of your mind. Hey, let's take a break. This is uh, the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. We're in studio with Bill Gardner from Empire Window Company. Bill, people are replacing their windows for the purpose of making sure their homes are more energy efficient, but it's also they look better. That improves home value when you improve the appearance of the home. Absolutely, the aesthetics, but it's not just the outside, it's the inside too. I mean, it looks great inside and out, and like you said, helps with home value. You know, the great thing right now with higher interest rates, we're we're receiving a lot of calls where people are looking to fix up what they have versus move, and they're realizing you can get the house of your dreams by recreating it with siding. I mean, there's different colors, there's different textures, there's wood shake siding, there's scallop siding, there's board and batten, which is up and down siding. There are so many different options available where you can create that dream home that you've always wanted without moving. And if the mortgage rates stay what they are and people just cannot reasonably move to another home, the best thing to do is make yourself a new home right where your existing one stands. Absolutely. You get to enjoy it. And then if you do decide to sell in the future, you get the resale value of it also. Empire Window Company, you're going to want to call that number 855-76-EMPIRE and make sure to log on to EmpireWindowCompany.com. Empire Window Company, Bill Why? You deserve a fair price. It's getting harder and harder to make sense out of today's headlines. To stay on top of breaking world and national news with a Christian worldview and a faith-based perspective on what it means, turn to ChristianHeadlines.com. Log on to ChristianHeadlines.com for the very latest news and then sign up for our free daily newsletter to stay one step ahead of what's happening. Get out of the mainstream media rut with top news and positive headlines every day with ChristianHeadlines.com. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want. 
and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. So this is Christmas And what have you done Alright, we're back You know, I don't know if you're a Beatles fan But uh, if you haven't seen Get Back You probably want to They're an amazing band uh, So anyway uh, You know I've been talking about Are the equity markets entering an AI era For some time now And I'm telling you, I, I think this is going to be big. I think this could be, you know, uh, this is Tim Hayes speaking now, but I, I think I'm speaking from, you know, RBC's, look, I'm telling you, all the companies they talked about in our our technology, internet, media, and technology, uh, telecommunications conference, all the ones that they highlighted are looking great on the charts. All right? So if you haven't got that report, you probably would if you want to discuss it with me. I've got... I had, uh, let's see here, probably 21 names uh, on my charts today that were all, you know, all look good. Uh, and they're all from that conference. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, okay? Um, but anyway, look, I think you got to, I'm going to repeat this probably until <laughs> you're all sick of it, but that's okay. You know, maybe it'll, it'll, uh, you know, sometimes when my wife talks to me, I forget what she says, and and you know, she keeps got to pound it in my head. So I'll just act like my wife and pound it in your head. The transformative uh, potential of artificial intelligence technology extends across all industries. All right, but identifying the long-term winners is going to be challenging. Now we have several that we really, really like, and and uh, and I was. Uh, I was looking at the chart of one particular company who's been talked about quite a bit. And it looks like, you know, it's not only going to go, everybody's worried about it going sideways. I think it's going to lift off. But uh, the emergence of personal computers and Internet provide the lessons of how AI took off. You know, there was a time when Dell Computer was at $19. It had gapped down three times. And the PC started to take off. The laptop started to take off, I should say. And Dell went to 380. Okay, there, there we go. We talk about all sorts of internet companies. Uh, you know, Yahoo went crazy. Uh, you know, you, you named it. But anyway, the markets are going to respond to this AI rollout, and there's some disciplined diversification can help investors guard against unintended risks. Okay, so th- this has been, you know, information technology and communication services, which is what we're talking about here. Uh, they're the two areas that are up most, okay? Now, you can't have everything in those two areas because <laughs> you're going to blow yourself up eventually. Uh, but then consumer discretionary and energy, energy still up 10%. Remember, we made a call two years ago on energy, get into energy stocks. By the way, and the week after, Tom Lee did, so I felt really good about that. But industrials are only up 4, 4.8%. Uh, financials up one5 And then the rest of these, you know, the equal weighted indexes are down. All right, so it's been a very narrow market. It's probably the most narrow market I have seen in my career, and I ain't a spring chicken. Okay, so re- remember, there was the Nifty Fifty back in the seventies, and after they blew up, 
they weren't heard about for about eight years, seven, eight years. Okay. So keep that in the back of your head. You don't want to, don't want to go too, too crazy, but there's a lot of names in AI that no one's talking about. They're not talking about cooling of the AI. You know, look, they're going to have these big, big warehouses full of GPUs. All right. They're servers, basically. They run hot. NVIDIA's chips run hot. Avago's chips run hot. Okay? You got to cool them. That's a way to play the thing without, without the paying 100 times earnings. There's all sorts of software companies that are getting involved in AI as we speak. And they'll have liftoff. And we, ha- we have a lot of those names that I think are going to be very interesting. Right? Uh, so uh, productivity growth, in my humble opinion, is just about the rocket ship. All right. Uh, it, it comes in waves. You know, we're, we're the low point was 2017. We're up a little bit. Well, the high point was 2004 and five. And then, uh, you know, so we're about mid ground right now. So uh, th- that was when, you know, 2000, 1995, I guess, was the was the low. And then the Internet adoption hit. And then we hit the, you know, high of three point five percent on productivity, which is the highest I can remember. I mean, back in the 70s, we got the 2.5. We always thought that was great. So we're, we're right around 1.1.5%. And I think what you'll see is some interesting stuff going forward. The other thing, um, and these stocks have been killed, all right? But the global autos, the electric vehicles, there's a slowdown here today. And uh, it'll probably be gone tomorrow. <laughs> That's, that was a good line written up by our people in our research. So. Global autos, uh, you know, they're here to stay. All right. Uh, By the way, I have now very conservative clients. I have eight of them that have Teslas. Okay. So so the question is, is the EV slowdown real? And the the EV demand is still strong, both in the U.S. and, and Europe. But the perception that slowdown is real exists, okay, because of the fact that interest rates are going up. All right, so um, th- there's three culprits to this, and that's BEV pricing. And uh, if you don't know what that is, you got to look it up. All right, and the second one is the preferred vehicle uh, form factor in the U.S. is underserved by that current offerings. All right, so BEVs are, if you don't know what those are, you should. And then the public charging infrastructure is insufficient. That will change. Okay, so if you'd like a report, there's a great report. We just put it out. Uh, highly recommend it. The other report, I, I've been talking about, you know, semiconductors now for <laughs> seven years. Um, you know, in, in 2018, we t- I talked about, you know, our technology, internet, media, and telecommunications conference. I said you had to get that. And then in 2019 and 2021, these things just lifted off, all right? And we have another conference just last two weeks ago, so uh, there we go. But look, there's, there's been a wide-scale disruption of the global semiconductor supply chain during the COVID-19 pandemic. And there's a lot of increasing tensions, as you hadn't noticed, between the U.S. and China. And it sets off alarm cir- uh, uh, bells within government circles. So what they're trying to do is they're putting money into to work so that we don't have a supply shortage, all right? Taiwan Semiconductor provides about 18% of all the chips 
out there. All right. If you don't know, Taiwan is being circled by by Chinese planes and boats on a fairly regular basis. So the reshoring strategy, which prioritizes supply chain resilience over cost efficiencies, should bolster our national security. But it comes with its own challenges now, okay? And once these challenges are overcome, the industry should benefit in on a secular basis or a long-term basis, okay? Though some of the you know the cyclical, you know the economically sensitive elements do remain. Semiconductor equipment manufacturers could provide a very useful hedge to geo, uh, geopolitical tensions that are heating up. And what I'll say is this: is that they are now part of the industrial complex. They're twenty-eight percent of the industrial complex. Keep that in mind, okay? It's truly a global industry, and it's going to be powering everything we go. You know, going forward, I, I had some questions. Some people were buying bonds, and I thought these were good questions. Uh, and how is a bond of a how is the price of a bond uh, determined? The, there are several factors that influence the price of a, a individual bond. There are generally two key factors. The first is interest rate risk, uh, you know, and the second is credit risk. If if you figure out those two, you know, look if your if your bond you know, let's say the tre- the treasury is downgraded, interest rates go up. It's that simple. Okay, uh, that's what was to happen this summer. There was talk of a downgrade. Poof, interest rates went through the roof. So, look, interest rates uh, yields flux for various reasons. Uh, some, you know, it depends on the yield curve. The, you know, the shorter end of the yield curve usually is lower than the longer end. Right now, it's higher, and that may change very abruptly. So. Look, uh, I think, you know, if you're looking at major factors impacting a bond's price, interest rate risk, credit risk, supply and demand, time to maturity, and what the call structure is. So you can get called, and that's something that people don't understand. Somebody asked me about this. This was the question, what is duration? Duration estimates a bond's price sensitivity to changes in prevailing interest rates. Higher duration indicates greater price sensitivity. That simple. Uh, Let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. We'll be right back. All right, you chipmunks. Ready to sing your song? I'll say we are. Yeah, let's sing it now. Okay, Simon. Okay. Okay, Theodore. Okay. Okay, Alvin. Alvin. Alvin! Over your 401k, it's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. For some, it's the holidays, or Christmas time, or technically Advent. But in the plumbing business, we call it the biggest clog-busting time of year. You can probably guess why. People throw parties that overload their garbage disposers and their bathrooms. And then, well stuff happens. So who are you going to call? No, not the Ghostbusters. This scary situation calls for why it works. Our do-it-right drain cleaning superheroes will drive out to your home, get that sink or toilet unclogged, and the drain flowing again. Well, let's face it, the holidays are a rotten time to have a clogged drain. Unfortunately, they're also the most likely time. And that's when you need to rely on the professionals you can trust and who've got your back at Why It Works Plumbing. 
So while we sincerely do hope you don't need us over the next few weeks, we also want you to know who to call for a Wallacadoodle solution if and when your pipes do end up overstuffed. Consider it done at wyamworks.com. License number 30185. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. We're back. Rock and roll here. Um, hey, I, I want to mention something. I talked to a, a couple this week who uh, uh, had talked to them Friday, and uh, they were talking about, you know, how, how do we get money out of our account? How do we get a paycheck every month? And we now can incorporate that into a wealth plan. Okay, so if you sit down with us and do a wealth plan, we can do what ifs. We can do, uh, uh, you know, hey, how do we get a paycheck every month? All right, so. Uh, the, the key is is doing it. Uh, now, look, you don't have to become a client to do a wealth plan. Uh, to do a paycheck and do a what ifs, then you have to become a client. But you don't have to become a client, so it's it's fairly interesting. All right, so look, the equity cycle and the trend remains positive. It's that simple. Uh, you know, Rob Schleimer was talking this week, and he talked about industrials, healthcare, and even banks are improving, and, and they have been the laggards. Believe me, they have been the the laggards, and you know, the, you know, he talked about a chart, and first of all, the relative performance of the S and P 500 versus bonds is still positive. So p- here, are people taking money out and going into, uh, you know, bonds at the wrong time. You know, the equity market's starting to lift off, and they're they're going into five percent. Um, believe me, it's it's not a not a good idea. Uh, but despite an understandably worrisome list of macroeconomic and geopolitical concerns, I remain optimistic. And, and Rob Schleimer was saying the same thing about the technical behavior of the equity markets. And, you know, we expect a new cycle high to develop in 2024. It's part of that broader four-year cycle that we talked about on the show ad nauseum uh, for the last, you know, six, nine months. And, the weekly momentum on the S&P 500 is still oversold, okay? Uh, and look, I mean, if you were doing patterns, it looks like there's a reverse head and shoulders forming on the S&P 500 and on the NASDAQ. So uh, it hasn't come to fruition, so I'm just mentioning that. But, you know, I, I think that if you look on a daily basis, we're a little overbought. We just had 11% move, folks. And most people were sitting buying CDs. I, you know, I, I tried to talk to you about that quadrant balance, uh, the, the weekly quadrant balance indicator, and it worked perfect this time. So now uh, what I saw, uh, and I'm not the big, you know, I, I'm talking Rob Schleimer now, he, you know, the 10 year yield did break its uptrend line and it already broken an uptrend line going back to, you know, uh, the bottom. So it's the second uptrend that it broke and it came down fast, you know, and Mr. Powell spoke and he wasn't as bearish as he usually was. And it, it sold off, so I'd be kind of careful with that. I, you know, I don't know if I, uh, whatever there, but you know, be just careful with it. Uh, well, look, large cap 
tech stocks have dominated equity market leadership through 2023. Many of the strategists in the media highlighted a handful of stocks uh, and, and the S&P 500 returns this year. Um, look, while a few mega cap growth stocks drove the S&P 500 higher, we caution investors from concluding that all sectors and group within the equity markets are behaving poorly. All right. Industrials and healthcare, they're not so bearish as the headline would suggest. I'm seeing some signs of strength. I had a takeover in a biotech area on, on Thursday. Uh, and I couldn't get half the people to buy it. That's okay. But the recent pullback, you know, uh, look, if, if you look at healthcare, um, you know, gray hairs are rising. <laughs> All right. Uh, and short term, the both the equity indices, indices and the sectors are overbought after a strong rebound. So, you you know, you just got to, I, I think, just be just a little bit more careful. OK. And I think the regional bank group, which has been one of the weakest sectors in the market through most of the year. I mean, they, they lifted off on Friday. OK, so that's kind of interesting. And And the bottom line is many investors are unhappy with the dominant leadership by a few growth stocks. Uh, and I can't blame them. You know, I, I think that's something that you have to be paying very close attention to. But I, I would say this. I'm starting to see a lot of the, and the, this is Tim talking, nobody else. This is me doing my charts, okay, which I do every day. And I'm seeing technology spread out. And boy, do we have a lot of good ideas in technology. And it's taken a lot longer than Tim expected. That I'm granted. And I've got a couple of clients that uh, are probably shaking their head at me. But that's okay. I think they'll do well in the, in the long run. And I just think there's a couple themes from our our uh, market, uh, I mean, our conference that we had this week, uh, two weeks ago, I guess, that we should talk about. And I guess, uh, first of all, the the most of and I'm going to call this T I M T, which is technology, internet, media, and telecommunication companies. If you look at 2024, they're looking at cloud optimization. Okay, so the cloud companies are going to be in good shape, but that also means you need to protect your cloud storage. All right, cyber awareness is going to be big. The other thing we saw was shorter payment cycles and contract duration. So instead of having a two-year contract, it's a or three-year, it's a year. All right. Uh, also, the paths to general gen, uh, generation AI, the monitors, uh, they're monetizing it in the face of infrastructure changes, and so that could be very, very big for a lot of comp uh, companies. And the other thing I, I would suggest is cloud. We'll call it AI growth and data center expansion. Remember, we talked about the, the cooling of these things and the people who actually provide the cooling, uh, there's, I think, going to be big. And the key takeaways uh, the, 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 from the panel, I thought, were efficient growth is the strongest theme in software right now. Two, PE likely continues to consolidate uh, software tech, and that could accelerate. Uh, you know, they had a lot of companies go private in technology last year. And private equity, PE is private equity, I'm sorry. Private equity-owned companies were pitched as the best governance models. That's that's really interesting. So a couple other themes, ad tech optimization pushes science over art, okay? And IT services are nearing the bottom. 
and there's a very constructive tone from information services management teams. Uh, despite, you know, a very uncertain macro. Okay. So, uh, we, we did, like we told you about the conversation we had with the assistant attorney general about uh, tech and IA, and that's something to keep in mind. But, uh, next, I, I just want to talk about this real briefly. Uh, you know, if you're looking at year-end planning, I have a great piece, piece about income tax strategies, tax-related investment strategies, uh, income considerations, you know, that type of thing that we could send out to you. Also, retirement planning, uh, it, you know, seize the opportunities, avoid the mistakes is what the, the, what the key is there. All right. So, you know, keep that in mind. Um, there was an interesting report this week, and I'm just going to mention it because I think it's kind of, you know, I, look. I think there's some themes, that long-term themes going forward. Water, water's becoming a precious resource. Also, waste. And, you know, people are looking at burying the waste situation and burning them for profit. <laughs> All right? That's, that's a very interesting thing. Now, I'm not sending that one out. But the other thing is large cap value just got smoked in the third quarter. We have a new portfolio called Large Cap Integrated Value. I think, uh, you know, you, you can't, you, I don't think you're going to go wrong with that personally. So there's some interesting stuff there. And Lori Calabasina has been talking about small cap growth now. Now, she was early because of the, the um, Silicon Valley Bank Corp. You know, they, they provide a lot of money to small biotechs and small technology companies and even some small material companies. So she, can't predict the future, obviously. So, you know, she recommends these things. They get whacked, but they're cheap. And we have a great small cap idea list. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I kind of highly recommend it to everyone simply because of the fact that, uh, you know, these things have been down a long time. Small cap and smaller companies provide the U.S. with huge gains in employment and huge gains in, in economic movement over over a long period of time. So the fact that these things are down and out, remember, that's where you want to look for the, whether you like it or not, that's where the best ideas are. Now, I've, I've had some small caps that have done nothing, but their future is extremely, extremely bright. And I think they're going to be taken off, uh, if you will, going forward. And they're, they're on that list. All right. Um, so, don't be don't be looking uh, you know sideways at, at these things. I think it's important. And also, look, uh, it's that time of year. You're getting into a new year. A couple things, you know. I talked about, you know, how do you get a paycheck in retirement? Okay, we can do that now in our wealth plan. Also, the family inventory workbook. Don't forget this. This is you know you can get this from us free. It organizes you. So if something happens to you or your you and your wife or you and your whatever your spouse. You have it all down on paper, all right? You have it all down on paper uh, for the next generation. And, uh, you know, I did. It took me a long time to get it done. But uh, between that and the, and the wealth management questionnaire, when you, put, when you go through these, you have to think about where you are. You know, look, I, I have told three or four people in the last couple of years that have come to me for help that they can't retire. They don't have enough money, all right? If they would have done this years earlier, I don't think they'd have that problem, all right? I, I actually had to tell a couple of people that, you know, they're, I, I said, you know, you're, 
your score is below 50. I mean, one guy came in and his score was 11. Another guy was 22. And, uh, you know, he and his wife had talked about it and they had done something else. And it may work out for them. Okay, but they got to get on track. All right. And now's the time to get on track. And Tim Hayes' humble opinion, uh, you know, don't be uh, don't be doing uh, crazy stuff uh, in, unless you've got a plan. The good news about the wealth plan is that you can do the what ifs without really doing them, without making the mistake. Okay, so if we sit down and we say, okay, let's do this. Let's spend more money. You know, there's usually a four percent rule. Never spend more than 4% over the course of any time in retirement. If you spend 8% one year, spend 2% the next year and 2% the year after that, okay? So don't forget that. Anyway, it, uh, let's take a break, and we'll come back with some technical ideas or some technical thoughts, and uh, we'll wrap this thing up for the weekend. There's an old in an old dusty trunk. When it's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. For some, it's the holidays, or Christmas time, or technically Advent. But in the plumbing business, we call it the biggest clog-busting time of year. You can probably guess why. People throw parties that overload their garbage disposers and their bathrooms. And then, well stuff happens. So who are you going to call? No, not the Ghostbusters. This scary situation calls for why it works. Our do-it-right drain cleaning superheroes will drive out to your home, get that sink or toilet unclogged, and the drain flowing again. Well, let's face it, the holidays are a rotten time to have a clogged drain. Unfortunately, they're also the most likely time. And that's when you need to rely on the professionals you can trust and who've got your back at Why It Works Plumbing. So while we sincerely do hope you don't need us over the next few weeks, we also want you to know who to call for a wallacadoodle solution if and when your pipes do end up overstuffed. Consider it done at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Anyway, uh, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, you know, we talked about this quadrant balance indicator and uh, that Rob Schleimer came up with, and it's now fully overbought, short term. This is a, a, a weekly oscillator. and uh, But when this indicator has fallen below 10%, as it did uh, just in the beginning of the fourth quarter, the market is higher over the next 6, 12, 18, and 20 weeks, 75% of the time. Okay, so 70, 75% of the time. So 
that that's a positive. The, the, I think the problem is, is you know, we've just gone from below ten to a, a fairly over uh, bought condition. All right, so look, uh, you, you don't, uh, you know, you don't want to be chasing things right now. I think you want to be uh, waiting for them to pull back to you. But you know, one of the things that we worry about is, you know, we always look at this four month over the thirteen month moving average, and and the, the four year moving average remains a very important. Su- support for the for the S&P 500. And you know one of the things I'm seeing is the monthly uh cycle momentum positive uh, uh momentum is positive but it's slowing. So we got to watch that kind of carefully uh you know and so I, that that remains positive but the resist you know the risk of stalling with lower highs is a problem, okay? So you got to keep that in mind too. So uh I will say this uh you know Large cap growth versus value followed by mid cap growth versus value continued to lead to the upside. And so nothing's really changed. Uh, healthcare, uh, most stocks continued to lag, but there's a couple of showing good evidence of, of moving forward. Technology, I, I know five or six stocks that are viable right now, right now that look really good. Uh, but, you know, I think we've got to remember, you know, the, what brought me here was the quadrant balance indicator. It was oversold. It's now overbought. We've got to wait a little bit. Okay. Be, be careful of how you buy things. And by the way, the 11% move was a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. Okay. So I would have pounded the table to everybody and said, Hey, you know, hundred percent into equities. If I thought that was going to happen. So it surprised us. I think it surprised Rob Schleimer too, by the way. Uh, and he, I think he invented it, <laughs> but the seasonality is still positive. Okay, so just keep that in the back of your head. Now, the look, the S and P has broken the downtrend line dating back to August or the end of July, I should say, and so that's positive. Uh, but it's an area of resistance, so you know it's probably going to it, it's going to sit for a while. And the other thing is, you know, we talked about the CBOE volatility index. That's the fear index now, folks. It's below 13, and it's below 13 for the first time since 2019, 2018 probably. So the key is, is it going to stay there, or <laughs> do you buy it? You know, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know the answer. To that is what I'm suggesting. But look, the weekly momentum is still. You know, this is the hard part about momentum. Okay, is that the daily momentum is extremely overbought. The weekly momentum is extremely oversold. So we had a from July 30th to to November 4th, we had a bad, we had a tough market. I mean, you know, we sold off four percent in one month, five percent in the other. So the weekly index is still positive. Now the Russell 2000, the, you know, the problem is the relative strength, the relative performance remains weak. But it's still oversold, and it continues to build to the upside. So that that's a you know that healthcare, you know we talked about industrials, they're all cheap, all right, uh, very very cheap, and I, I think that's something you got to keep in mind. Okay, so uh, I would keep that in the back of my head uh, for the time being. Anyway, uh, I, I just think that uh, you know the yield indexes are showing that they're 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 breaking down. Okay. So, uh, and I'm not talking about any particular one and, and the way it's breaking down, I, I would probably suggest that the, the fed's going to, you know, when you see stuff like that, the fed probably, you know, you would think that they're going to start to lower rates, but 
I think Powell wants to get to 2% because he doesn't want to go down as the worst Fed chairman since Arthur Burns. So now, long term, the equity markets were at a very important fork in the road back in the beginning of, this, of, the, of November. And we turned up. An 11% move is nothing to scoff at, especially when it's at major support. You know, that means people are, you know, paying attention. And, you know, with interest rates, they went from 5% down to 420 in a month, 424. Okay. So that's a big move back down. So, we're, you know, <laughs> if you're watching interest rates, you're probably your head spinning. Uh, but, you know, I think if we look at the, the important thing that I see coming out of the market right now is that the equity market is broadening out. Okay, the industrials picked up, the materials picked up. Real estate, there was a big, huge money flow into real estate this month. Healthcare, we're starting to see some things. You know, there's two or three takeovers this week. There was a couple of things. Uh, a company called Vivos that went straight up because they have a sleep apnea product. You know, you know, there's lots of names out there that are going up. All right. It, the problem is they're going up without any noticeable move on the charts. And that, that makes it a very tough uh, time to get involved. So, so I, I think it's important. And, you know, we talked about the 16 to 18-year cycle, generational cycles. Yeah, you have bear markets in those cycles, okay? Remember 1987 and 2000, I mean, uh, 1990, where, you know, 1987, you know, Greenspan came out and raised the discount rate a half a point three times in a row, three, three meetings in a row. And, we blew up. And then we had 1990 when Saddam Hussein rolled into town. Blew up. 1998, Russian ruble crisis. 20% each time. Okay? So you do have bear markets within structural bulls, but the long term is still up. And and we think we're in a reflation cycle, and the current cycle you know, should be 16 to 18 years, so it should peak somewhere around 2034. Uh, so keep that in the back of your head. Now look, you know, when interest rates are going up and, and they went up fast, that 5% area is usually where things get interesting. Uh, so if we, we break above that 5% area sometime in the future, you've got to be starting to think about that. But it is a repetitive four-year cycle. So what would I do right now? Look, I think the dividend growth and the prime income list, they're at a discount. Let me repeat that. They're at a discount. 40% of the return of the S&P 500 over the last 80 years has been dividends. Hint, hint. Small caps are at the lowest valuation I can ever remember. Micro caps are, I mean, I can tell you, there's a, uh, there's like hundreds of biotechs that were above 15 that are below a buck. Okay. Uh, there's lots of uh, interesting opportunities out there. Healthcare. Industrials have pulled back hard. I think they may lead uh, possibilities. So, just remember that four-year cycle. You can get those, all of them, by going to WHK1420, going to local podcasts, down to the Smart Investor Show. Go to my webpage. It goes directly there. And hit the contact me, email me while you're there. Don't forget to look at Insight. There's a lot of good stuff. That there's a new feature on there today. Let's talk about a wealth plan. Let's talk about a family inventory workbook. Uh, we also have healthcare and retirement, how to, you know, how to, deal with that. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there. You know, I mean, a lot of good stuff out there that we can, we can talk to you about. Also, year-end planning for taxes. You'd like that? We can send that out to you too. In the meantime, 
Have a great weekend. This is a Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Don't forget to buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.